0: are in Indianapolis, Indiana, home of the NFL Scouting Combine. Coming up, we've got interactions with Cliff Kingsbury, Kevin Colbert, and an in-depth interview with NFL draft prospect and O-lineman Matt Woletsko. He went to the University of North Dakota. It's been a great, wild time so far. What we're learning is the Combine is Much akin to a spring break for the NFL folks. A lot of socializing, a lot of networking, a lot of getting to know people for the first time. It's an especially fun week in Indianapolis when the home team has its own drama at the quarterback position. Let's say this out loud and and tell me what you think. After weeks of watching postseason football from home, conducting exit interviews with his own players, and scouting potential draft picks... Colts GM, Chris Ballard, could not say today whether or not he believes in Carson Wentz. But what? Chris Ballard couldn't give a direct answer on his signal caller. Kind of an iffy, uh, back and forth. We'll do what's in the best interest, long-term interest for the Colts. Sounds like he's going somewhere. And, and Carson Wentz didn't have a bad year. There were particular performances, some pretty low lows that did not endear himself to Indianapolis fans. In particular, uh, losing to the Jaguars in the season finale. Um, inconsistent play, holding the ball too long. And in general, the Colts were not a powerhouse in one possession games. They were 2-5. So that's made this Tuesday quite interesting. Ballard saying most of the criticism of Carson Wentz was fair. But that's not even the craziest quarterback story to come out of this day. Got a chance to catch up with Arizona head coach Cliff Kingsbury as his quarterback decided to go a little bit rogue. And Cliff had a very brief NFL career. I think he actually has a Super Bowl ring from his time with the Patriots, but practice squad, very limited NFL reps. Back in Cliff's day... A quarterback would never negotiate like this in the media, through the media. And Kyler Murray, former number one overall pick, two-time Pro Bowl quarterback, decided to go public with his negotiations with the Arizona Cardinals. His agent put out this statement saying that Murray was looking for long-term stability and the Cardinals weren't playing ball. Now, the intent of this message was to get Steve Kime, the general manager, to do something that he does not like doing, which is negotiating publicly with the player. High profile, drama, diva type stuff, not the Cardinal way. The note from Kyler Murray's agent kind of read like a bad cover letter, weird type long drawn out sentences a lot a couple of grammar things in there that made gave me pause I wonder if Cliff ever saw this coming Kyler Murray wants long-term stability and Cliff Kingsbury wants long-term stability that team collapsed like a souffle at the end of last year his job is not 100% secure but he's got a great quarterback Here's my exchange with Kingsbury at the start of his news conference about the Kyler Murray letter.
1: Uh, just a quick programming note. Steve Kime will be here at 3 p.m. Um, I know he's really anxious to talk to you guys, so any other tough ones you can say for him. Uh, Cliff, have you had an opportunity to review the statement made by Eric Burkhardt on behalf of Kyler Murray earlier this I have. Year? What were your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, it's, it's part of the business. Um, he has a job to do, and, and that's what he was doing.
0: How much have you been in touch with him?
1: Uh, with Eric? Or with Kyler. Oh, with Kyler? I have not.
0: I have not. From your vantage point, how urgent is that situation to keep your quarterback satisfied?
1: Um, you know, I think all of our long-term term goal here is to have Kyler be our, our quarterback and he understands that and he understands my um, view of him and, and how I feel about him and um, once again I'm gonna refer it back to the business side of things and that's not something that I, I deal with but um, it's all part of the business right now and, and things that we'll continue to work through.
0: There are better approaches to dealing with a quarterback. I think of Vikings general manager Quazi Adolfo Mensah. Basically buttered up Kirk Cousins today, said he was super cerebral, incredibly intelligent, caring, kind person. If Aaron Rodgers leaves the NFC North, Cousins might be the most consistent, most reliable quarterback in that division. But you've seen his name pop up in trade talks and rumors. Something to keep an eye on. The Denver Broncos also need a legitimate starting quarterback because that AFC West is an arms race. They don't have a quarterback under contract right now who could be a franchise guy. And they've got a new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who said he was looking for this it factor. He he values toughness, uh, but most of all, it's intelligence, the ability to be able to process information quickly. Do you have that factor to elevate your teammates and make the team better? But I had another great interaction with Pittsburgh Steelers GM Kevin Colbert about quarterbacks. The Steelers just lost their franchise cornerstone quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, and they may take a decent long look at quarterback prospects in this draft. And Colbert has more than three decades worth of scouting and personnel experience, and even he said it's not a hard science to find those leadership traits and intangibles in a quarterback prospect especially in an atmosphere and situation like combine week interviews take a listen how do you gauge a quarterback's sure leadership skills to to and intangibles to to in a process right like this week
1: as we go through the interviews we just we learn
2: more and more about each player every time we interview them and we'll we'll, we'll reference some things we may have seen during the season maybe an interaction with a teammate maybe an interaction with a with a coach, maybe an, an action during a game. And we'll just continually ask the questions to try to nail that part down. But in all honesty, you won't know that until that player's on your own team.
0: Pleased to be joined by NFL draft prospect and offensive lineman Matt let's go. He played left tackle at the University of North Dakota. Matt, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Glad to have you on. Matt, you're currently working out down in Arizona. Who are you working with leading up to the Combine? I'm training down here, uh, with Exos. Okay. So they've got different camps and, uh, operations all over the country. What drills have you improved on the most since you've gotten down there? I mean, so
2: yeah, I mean, Exos down there, they kind of, they hire like an offensive line kind of coach, um, to come work with us like three times a week. So we've been doing drill work and I guess kind of just getting better at the basic fundamentals and just the overall, overall form of the game, being a better old lineman, and just getting more tools in your, in your shed. I mean, it's always a good thing. Um, but as far as the combine drills, um, you know, I would say um, I've definitely made strides of getting faster um, as well as stronger. So, I mean, I think the bench press and, and the 40 and, and everything should go well, so.
0: In terms of O-line technique, what's the best tool you've added to your belt so far? Um, I would
2: say the best tool I've added um, would probably be to use, like, my length to my advantage, my long arms. Um, it's definitely definitely something that I've been working on over these last couple months um, to really truly really sharpen up and, And to use um, to my advantage. So,
0: you've got a big frame, six, seven, over 300 pounds. That can work to your advantage in some sequences, but in which scenarios does that work against you? Yeah, I mean, I think,
2: I mean, it's a lot of scenarios, especially offensive line, where it, I mean, does work for you. Um, But one thing, I mean, that I've really been working on is definitely, and we're long, kind of, taller guys getting into trouble is kind of pad level. Um, being able to play low, um, especially against defensive linemen who are, I mean, freak athletes and strong, and I mean, some of the best best athletes on the field. I mean, I think that's crucial. Um, so yeah, I mean, one, one area that can hurt you is definitely, um, definitely pad level, which is crucial for, I mean, a line play.
0: If you were to start in the NFL tomorrow, which defensive lineman would instill the most fear in you?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, honestly, ooh, probably, probably Miles Garrett, honestly. Yeah.
0: Worthy inclusion uh, plays up north for the Cleveland Browns wreaked Havoc in college at AM. He is he is something else.
2: Yeah, he's a freak.
0: <laughs> who's your O line coach that you're working with in Arizona?
2: Um, his name is Mike Pollack. Um played in the league for quite a while. Um yeah, and then I'm also working with um, Paul Alexander, um, who's a long time NFL O line coach. So
0: mm-hmm. when they first looked at your game, analyzed your film, what suggestions or improvements did they suggest to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely, like I said earlier, definitely using more of that length um, to my benefit. Um, And then probably, I mean, in pass pro, um, it's really important to stay square, especially a tackle, um, because you find, like, if you turn too quickly... Defenders just have a three-way go. Um, So one other thing that I've really been working on is just um, getting more comfortable in my sets and just um, finding a good rhythm and balance um, to it. So,
0: You just competed in the Senior Bowl in February down in uh, Mobile, Alabama. What was your biggest takeaway from that experience? Uh, My
2: biggest takeaway... um, Honestly, is that I can compete with the best of the best, you know, I mean, that's what that's what the senior bowl is, is the best players, the best, of the best in the country and from all over FCS, um, FBS, Power Five. I mean, you name it. I mean, they're all over. So I think just that being able to see that, um, even though I did come from a smaller school, I can, I mean, compete with the best of the best. So.
0: What did you learn in terms of? Because you were with the the jet staff, what did you learn about different schemes, where you fit in, and where you were most comfortable?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it was really awesome um, working with the jet staff. I think um, getting to work with professional coaches for that week was was amazing, and just kind of seeing what they how they kind of operate, and obviously we didn't obviously learning the whole playbook. We just learned a very small amount, but just like the different schemes and even the different techniques that we learned in that week was really, was really beneficial for me. I think it really helped me um, kind of add another tool, like I said earlier, um, for myself. And yeah, it was, it was really fun.
0: When was the last time that you had to cram that much information from a football playbook and instill it? Ooh, um, Last time would probably be,
2: honestly, probably my freshman year of college, um, getting into, I mean, the new program and coming in, you got to learn the playbook, especially if you want to play O-line, you got to learn that playbook really fast, especially as a freshman. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been some time, but I mean, I'm always, I mean, there's always new things to learn on the offensive line.
0: From that freshman year learning experience to leaving North Dakota, in which area did you improve and become the strongest?
2: I mean, it's probably two things. I think definitely, I definitely learned throughout my career to watch more film and to uh, like analyze film more in depth. Um Kind of as I went, I become a big, big film watcher and. Um, I get a lot of tendencies from defenders and stuff through through watching film week by week, and I think another thing would be just to just to be able to see the bigger picture, uh, especially at tackle. You got to be able to not just know what I mean the man in front of you is doing, but kind of see the linebackers, see the safeties, um, and that's how me and my coach really worked on, and even even now when I'm training with like Paul or Mike, I mean, we still have been working on that and yeah.
0: What goals do you set for yourself at the combine? Uh, that's a good question.
2: Um, honestly, just to,
0: you know, run
2: as fast, push as much weight as I can, you know, to show, to show people that I am, you know, even though I'm 310, 315 pounds, I can still move, move very well.
0: How much do you look forward to the interview process and trying to find a a chemistry fit with an NFL team?
2: Yeah, I look forward to it a lot. I think, I mean, obviously the interview process is part of part of the evaluation um, going into the league. And I think, um, I mean, obviously it's crucial and I just really look forward to meeting all these new staffs and coaches and, DMs, online coaches, and just everyone and just having good conversations, getting on the whiteboard, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it.
0: And you got a chance to talk to some pro staffs down at the Senior Bowl. You were coached by the Jets. I read by a national publication that you met with the Bears, among other teams. And those are relatively new staffs. How much of a vision did they cast for their future and your potential role in it?
2: Um... I mean down there, I mean it was awesome. We got to meet with with all thirty-two clubs, um, just kinda just kinda say our story, um, tell them about ourselves and there's a chance for them to kind of get to know us and for us to get to know them and just it was kind of just that start of the start of the process, I would say. But, but yeah, I mean it was it was awesome just to be able to communicate with all thirty two teams and just to be able to do that and see
0: it. How would you define your story? Uh, I mean, ooh, another good question.
2: Um, I mean, I think it, I'm obviously in bias, it's my story, but I think it's a great story. I mean, coming from a small town, um, going to a smaller school, and now getting a chance to uh, be on National Spotlight. So I think, um, coming from, I mean, small and working my way up. So, yeah. Who was your role model? My role model is definitely, definitely my mother. Yeah. Why? Um, probably just, I mean, she battled through, I mean, two cancers growing up and just seeing her, I mean, take nothing for granted and just seeing her hard work and, her persevere through so many difficult situations that she's had to be through. And I mean, it's just, it's been a blessing um, being able to get raised by both my parents and, but yeah, she's, she's taught me so many, so many life lessons.
0: It's great that you value that because a lot of kids and young adults in America don't get that privilege from some instance or another what form of cancer did she battle?
2: Um, so she had um, Hodgkin's lymphoma, and then she had uh, melanoma as well.
0: How old were you when she went through that?
2: Um, So the first one, I was very young. I mean, very, very young. And then the second one, I was probably in my early teen years.
0: And in both those instances where she was battling cancer, how much did she let on that she was in pain?
2: Um, I mean, honestly, not, not at all. She always had a smile on her face. She, she would say she feels amazing even when maybe she wasn't. And I think that's, I mean, a life lesson in itself. Um, but yeah, she's amazing.
0: And you said throughout this process, she was teaching you life lessons. What are your main takeaways um, from your mother's story?
2: Yeah, I would say um, honestly, just being able to to battle through adversity, um, just being able to to handle the cards you're dealt. Obviously, she didn't want to have cancer, but she dealt with it and persevered through it and pushed through it and um, didn't complain. Maybe she had good and bad days, but just woke up every day with you know a smile on her face and just kept kept moving forward so
0: how's she doing today great that's yeah, doing really well that's excellent to hear i'm glad you still got her and you guys are still close i assume so that's yeah that's wonderful man and she's she's good she's out of the woods or yeah well, that's great there's so much adversity uh in sports whether it's <sighs> the draft doesn't go someone's way or it's a struggle to get signed or to stick on a roster. What are your best strategies to deal with adversity when things don't go your way? Yeah. I mean,
2: for me, definitely to just to stay positive, I think, um, and just have a, have an open mindset, have a growth mindset that things uh, will get better and things will work out um, because I mean, I had a, I had a knee, excuse me, knee injury back in 2019 uh, that I had to work through, and I think that, I mean, you could either, I mean, sit there and feel bad for yourself, or you can take it and use it as an opportunity to grow and prove something to yourself. So I think just being able to stay positive through adversity and and battle through it is is definitely huge.
0: What happened to your knee? Uh, I tore my left
2: ACL um, yeah, in 2019.
0: And then you had the pandemic season and you had the 2021 season. You switched conferences and you were met with a lot more physicality. Right. How was the adjustment to that new style of play? Yeah. I,
2: I mean, I loved it. I love um, competitiveness and just the physicality that this game brings, especially my position. Um, so I knew... I mean, we all knew going in that it was going to be um, a tough league. Obviously, the Missouri Valley is really good football. is really good – really good players, really good competition. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think – I mean, our first season, we – I mean, shared a title of the, of the conference. And um, so I think we shocked a lot of people. And just – I think it came from, you know, preparing in that 2020 fall um, – Having that positive mindset through COVID, and using it as a chip to to prove to people that that will will shine in that league. So, what are your plans for
0: draft night? For draft night,
2: uh, gonna be at gonna be at my parents' house back in back in Minnesota.
0: How much would that affect you if the Vikings took a special liking to you over draft weekend? I mean, yeah, I mean,
2: obviously, growing up in Minnesota, I mean, I'm an hour and a half from the Twin Cities. Um, so yeah, it'd be it'd be amazing. Really close to my family, um, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mean the world.
0: And that, what else would you like fans, future teammates, future NFL teams to, to know about you?
2: Ooh, just that you know, I'll compete, compete till the end. Um, hardworking kid, won't um, give up, and just determined to be to be the best that I can be and to to make a change, to make an impact any any organization that I that I get drafted by. So or hopefully get drafted by. So yeah.
0: Well Matt, let's go. Thank you so much for joining the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. You're gonna kill it.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: And that was the podcast. Thank you so much to Matt. Well, let's go. We'll have a lot more prospect interviews coming up in the next few days. If you liked this episode and these conversations, feel free to subscribe and share it with someone you love. We will see you as soon as possible.